Welcome to Photo Work Podcast. I'm Shannon. Over here, we got Mylan. Bazinga. <laughs> Which you're going to learn more about Mylan's catchphrases on this show because you might hear it about a thousand times. Mm-hmm. That's because good. Because we good. have the amazing photographer, Ben Cope. He does celebrity advertising, editorial, and also he's a fine artist. He's a man of many skills. You're going to learn from him how he built his career what it was like working for iconic photographer Stephen Klein and his advice to you on how you can break into the industry. It's going to be good. And what else, Mylan? Bazinga. <laughs> Enjoy. Well, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. I'm happy to be here. With three hours of sleep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it before. It's all good. <laughs> um, the audience missed us chatting about you were up shooting until 2 a.m. but didn't wrap until 5 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. So, so back to work. And at back eight. to work at eight. Uh, yeah, uh, doing returns, getting vans back, doing all that stuff. Uh, as, uh, also, I have I have like uh, a separate company that mm-hmm. we run, like studio rentals and equipment rentals, and mm-hmm. so we have a big rental in one of them. So I had to organize all that stuff too last night. So mm-hmm. yeah, just it's something's always happening. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> organized chaos. I yep, assume always. Yeah. <laughs> um, may I have you start? Well, I just want to go off of that. Like, do you, your studio space, is it a living space too, or are you off-site? Yeah, so uh, about nine years ago, I like randomly came across this big loft, uh, and and I took it over, and it's like, it was just a big empty square, and just over the years, I've like, like built it out, and like put a story here, and put a story here, and like then I was like, oh, I'll build a cove, and like, ah, I'll do this, and then like install the sinks, and all this other stuff, and you know, uh, and just built it out, and now it's kind of become like this thing. And then uh, my roommate moved out, and I was like, I, you know, I can't do this on my own. And my buddy was like, Let me come assist you. Let me be your studio manager. And we went from just like scraping by to like turning it into like a proper business. And then like I got a load of equipment kind of uh, loaned to me by like my the guy I firsted for for about eight years because. He wasn't working as much, and he was like, ah, oh, you, you manage it. And I was like, okay. And so I set it up, and we put together, like, equipment lists, and now I have, like, everything. And then, I, and then I'm just constantly investing in more and more and more gear. So it's, mm-hmm. like, it's just kind of becoming bigger and bigger little by little. So we're in our second year now of this business. So it's, like, a good side project. Pays the rent. Mm-hmm. And then we took over a second studio that's kind of a little more barren. It's just nobody lives in that one. So it's just kind of dedicated to... Mm-hmm. More raw studio space, so mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Do you it's, have your studio space on Peer Space? Or, yeah, we yeah. have Peer Space at, and Gigster, but we also have our own sites and mm-hmm. we have a regular clientele as well. So, yeah, keeps it busy. It, it does, yeah. It it covers the overhead for the most part. So mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Okay, so I'm <laughs> for it's those, hot here. Who, yeah, it's hot here. Yeah. It's actually not that bad today. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday was a lot. Yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> you were outside the whole day, right? I was in a big warehouse with no air conditioning for oh. three days. So, yeah, I was really so dehydrated. Yeah. I don't understand why, why, like, that's so common. Like, it's hot hair. You know, it. I mean, it feels hotter in the summers now than it used to, obviously. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's like a Southern California thing. I guess they're not big on AC. So. <laughs> you know, it's I don't get that. You know, it's 100 degrees. <laughs> No biggie. <laughs> I'll put a fan in the window. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and even that Fine. one half the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> On a good day. 
So what we wanted to start with was, uh, how did you build your career? How did I build my career? Yeah. Um, man, I did a model test with this guy that I thought was cool. And he also had a fashion line and they were starting out and I was like, let me shoot something for you. I won't charge you anything. And, um, and so I started shooting all of his collections every year and like they had another thing. And then like, I was also working with this other company we were like producing fashion shows a long time ago. And like, and so I would work close with the, with the designers and I would, you know, just, I just kind of like use my kind of aesthetic and work that in with, you know, working with designers and stuff like that. And just little by little, like one thing turns into the next and, and it just kind of grows. And I mean, like, it's just something you can, you just have to take risks and you have to just like, I mean, I was hungry, so I just gave it away for free and then, you know, built that and was able to get my, the agency that represents me now still like got them to get that thing going and represent me. And it's just all kind of just over the years, mm -hmm. just snowballs, you know? Did they find you when you were like on the like hungry hustle come up side? It's funny. I just made a joke and text my agent something that popped in my head earlier uh, <laughs> that I won't say on the air. Um, but uh, I met Bob, who is the owner of 7AM, um, through one of my best friends who was a model booker at Elite back then. And I would test all of his girls and help people build their books and, you know, in turn building mine. Um, and he at the time was uh, talent rep like management at like Red Rock Entertainment or somewhere. Um, and, but before it was like at Oz Rankin was in, so they were all at this model convention thing and we all went out and had a fun night and just he because of my best friend like kind of had admiration for the work I was doing and like like believed in me you know um, and I was like man when when are you gonna like quit your job and like start an agency so you can represent me um, and that's kind of eventually what happened. <laughs> I mean, he got a partner and, you know, he had other photographers coming in too, but like I've, I've, they always taught me as like their, their firstborn, you know? And so like, I've, I've been with them since the start. Uh, and uh, it, it's just one of those things. Like I feel like in the community of LA or like even in New York's the same, but like once you're in that community of people, everybody kind of like grows together and builds together because you got to have a strong network to survive. And, um, and I guess that's kind of primarily what it was. It's just like people that believed in me and trusted me to like get the job done and, you know, took it from there. Yeah. So it's <laughs> great. It sounds like it's more like community versus like competition. Yeah. I mean, I, I think competition is BS. Like everybody has their own look or aesthetic and like, like you can try to be somebody else, but you're like your vibe is, is gonna come out. So you, like you never like, I'm not gonna go like copy Matt and Marcus and like try to be like like he, they have their own brainwaves and like vibe and how, what they're gonna be. I can never be that, you know. It's, I used to work for Stephen Klein. I like as much as I love Stephen and like love working with him and learn a load. Like I, I'm never gonna be Stephen because my brain isn't on that side, you know. So like. Like there can be like competition, but like you got to let ego go and not, not be like I have to be better than this person. I have to, you know, like screw all that. It's like, like work hard and 
push yourself to be better than yourself and then you get better and it, and it's like you always have to like think like oh you know what can I do to to switch it up what can I do to like not be stagnant and you know like having a studio at my disposal it's not hard to get stagnant and yeah I've like I've like craving to get outside of the studio lately because I, I do you know live in that celebrity portraiture world and like mm-hmm. whatever but you always have to kind of like turn it over and try to like flip it on its head and see what else comes out and so that competition you can't rely on because you can't just steal somebody else's ideas and try to do a one-up on them you know it's like you have to figure it out on your own you can take that those references be inspired by that but but yeah, like all my friends are photographers, you know, they share equipment with me and I share with them and we swap studios and we do all this stuff. It's like no reason to compete, you know. So. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Nope. And my catchphrase apparently, that was good. <laughs> In the previous interview, everything was like, that was good. That was good. That was good. Yeah. I gotta come up with a new word. <laughs> Bazinga! <laughs> we were joking. He was like Guy Fieri, so yeah. it's like Flavor Town or something. Yeah. <laughs> Flavor Town. Gotta dye your hair for that though. <laughs> That's the you got. You know what? You gotta mm-hmm. commit. Yeah, you gotta go full guy. Go guy. Yeah. <laughs> I got. Oh god! Sorry. I got a, a bunch of inappropriate jokes off of that uh, too. All right. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. When, uh, where did you grow up? Where did you come from? Uh, I grew up in Columbus, Georgia, uh, like about 90 miles southwest of Atlanta, to like right on the border of Alabama. Um, and I was out there through college and everything. So, yeah. What made the move? How, how did you make the move, I should say? I, you know, I stayed at home uh, for college because my dad was a professor at the university in, in my hometown. And I was like, I don't want to spend a bunch of money because there's no point in like that because my tuition was free. Um, so uh, not because my dad, because I had, like, had the Hope Scholarship as something I have in Georgia. Um, and so I was like, I'll stay home because I don't plan to stay here. You know, and I and somehow it's like my dad was just like, let me be your your guidance counselor and I'll get you going. And I ended up, he was like, you love ceramics. Take that for your first class or whatever. And I was like, all right. So. That got me into the art world, and then I just like kind of dove into photography and ceramics, and I was like, I want to move to New York. I want to go to Hunter. I want to get a you know MFA in ceramic sculpture, and I want to you know live the life of like Peter Volkos and like the big ceramic artists and whatnot. Um, And so I was like, that's all I'm doing. My parents like, don't you want to apply to any other school? I was like, nope, going to New York, moving to New York. That's what I'm doing. And I'd like went up and stayed with a cousin, like had plans or whatever. And like, of course, my parents were like, how do you expect to pay for New York? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> like, uh, and, and like, so I, I was, I had finished all my coursework, or whatever, didn't get into Hunter. And like, I was like working at this gymnastic studio that I used to coach at. Um, and out of the blue, a friend of mine called me up. He's like, yo, I hear you're trying to move out. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, we need a roommate. And I was like, well, how much and where are you? And he's like, it's four sixty-five a month and we're in Oakland. I was like, cool, I'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> and like, no plans to come to the West Coast at all. And my buddy was doing his like last hurrah before he got married and we like loaded his car up and we we're like, ah, let's go. And we drove all the way out here and he like dropped me off in East Oakland, like 
all San Leandro with like crackheads screaming and like yep. just like mm-hmm. like but I was like right there between Fruitvale and Coliseum, like in like rough neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was like, cool. And like on Craigslist while we were driving out, I found a job like taking over uh as a coach for a girls gymnastics team. And so I like had a job when I landed and um started working in the East Bay. Um as a gymnastics coach and like fiddling around with photography and stuff like that. Cause I was there and had my cameras and whatnot. And a buddy of mine who actually was, was like, Ben Cope, Ben Cope, teach me photography. And he was like my home, yeah, in my hometown university, he had moved out to the West coast to go to, to Brooks. And he was like, Ben, you have to get down here. You have to come here. And, um, and I was like, cool. I was like, I'm coming. And I was like enrolled and was going to go get my master's there, you know? Six months in, I realized it was a load of garbage um, <laughs> and lo- wasted a load of money. But somehow I found like a flyer on the wall for like, do you want to work with the likes of Mizell and this, that, and they call this number. And, um, and uh, so I called and like the guy was like, uh, do, you, uh, do you think you can come in for an interview tomorrow at eight? I was like, yeah. He's like, uh, uh, okay, uh, h- uh, how about 7.30? I was like, yeah, cool. And he was like, all right, uh, cool, see you at 6.30. Um, and so <laughs> another friend of mine uh, that was actually going in to work for that company as well was Breeza, a lighting company, big parabolic umbrella mm-hmm. stores. Uh, now it's B2 Pro. Um, we went and slept in, the, in, our, in his car on the street in front of the place, got up at like 6 and like brushed our teeth with a water bottle and just like freshened up and went in. And before I knew it, I was like, like he's like, load this camera to this thing, do this thing, here, just put this in here, load this into this truck, go, go, go. And he's like, I need you in this truck. Universal Studios back lot, go. And I was like, I'm here for an interview and all I'm doing is I'm already headed to set. And I like, I had no idea what I was doing, like rolled in to like Universal Studios, New York back lot, New York Street uh, for Mark Seliger's Rock Aware ad campaign pre-light with Jay-Z and like Dave Devlin, who's Spielberg's <laughs> gaffer, like, you know, and I was fired my first day. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I, you know, I worked my butt off and like worked in the shop and got back on set and I like gained the respect of all those guys and like that, and like that was the beginning of it. And then I, once I like got out of that like film school mentality and like learned what like hard work and like how to like really dig in and do that stuff, you know, I, I had to like earn my, my respect from those guys and it took a while, but they put me in and they like put me like it took me up to New York where I was initially trying to go. Um, and then I was like back and forth between uh, Stephen Klein and Seliger. Um, and they, I almost went on full time with Seliger, but ended up coming back to LA and, and went on with Kevin Lynch full time as his first for years and years. Um, so that's like, that's kind of the, how I went around the world to get back to here. Um, so, um, but yeah, it's, you know, wild journey. But that's what got me here. <laughs> that's good. That's good. What did you learn the most from, like, Stephen Klein? How to manage big-scale productions and how to, like, carry a lot of weight on your shoulders. Like, uh, you know, because, I don't know, there's just, like, it's such a refined machine, you know? And, like, hi, like I guess the, the most important thing I learned is is, like, how to expect a higher production value and and like expect certain level of quality um even to like the most minute detail of like when you're cabling lines run those fuckers straight and give me right angles 
like don't you know i don't want cables right like keep my set tight you know and like it's the little stuff like that 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 separates some like jackass that can just like throw some things together to like running a tight set and you know making sure somebody doesn't trip and kill themselves and like knowing that you can be trusted with like bigger projects and it's like it's just a mindset of like of like expecting top end production and not that that's what I always have but like when I do run bigger projects like that's how we run it you know I we were on set for the last three days and the guy that on the the space we were shooting in it he's like He's like, your guys, he's like, I've never had a set of like grips and like workers that are as like professional and respectful, but also like, like on top of it and don't fuck anything up. And they're just like, they're on. And, I, and he's like, where did you, I was like, I, they, I worked with them for years, you know, and they learned the way I learned. Mm-hmm. And, and it just, it makes everything run smoother. So I guess that's like a big part of it, but also you know, Steven was always one of my favorite people. Like he, I was a fan of his before I like ended up on, on set with him. And it was just like, it was interesting to be there right next to camera and just listen to the way that he interacted with talent and listen to the way he approached things and the things that he asked for. And it like, I don't have any good examples of it. I mean, it's been 10, 12 years, you know, since those days. And like, but it like it kind of thing that's just like is an undertone that you kind of carry with you because you've been there, and it, I don't know, like, it's kind of something that I can't like, yeah, verbalize, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I learned a lot, you know. It's you just kind of have to be there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how could you not? I feel like even just spending a day with the guy. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it, I mean, we did this, if I remember correctly, uh, we did this crazy Samsung job that was like four days straight. And by like four days straight, it was like four days straight. Um, and I like, I got yelled at my, by my boss again back then. He was like, why are you at set? You need to be at home resting. And then we were like cycling people through on like eight hour shifts because mm-hmm. like they just sit and stop shooting. And it was like a lot of nighttime stuff and overnighters and like back into other things and just like. And I was like, I have to be there for the team, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, I don't know, it's, it's just one of those things, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so for the newbies out there, who is Stephen Klein? Uh, he's probably one of the biggest, most upper echelon guys up there with, with Mizell and Paolo Reversi and uh, the late Lindbergh, you know, all of them kind of, the uh all those guys kind of exist on a top tier level matt and marcus even you know uh yeah it's just like there's that upper echelon of the of the fashion elite <laughs> there's a book from dolce gamana that has all of them in it um <laughs> we need that book yeah oh yeah they did a they did a thing is like 20 years or something like that of, of dolce gabbana campaigns and it was like it was everyone that shot them and it was all the campaigns in this massive book and it's just beautiful yeah that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're everyone. Everyone should aspire to as photographers, <laughs> as artists. Yeah. They're amazing. Um, well, with recently with Peter Lindbergh passing, yeah. did you have any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, he's always been one of like my favorites because, you know, I, I love his raw aesthetic and, and like, there's nothing like getting out and like running and gunning and just like, and, like, yeah, like even with the big, like, I mean, I knew that he would roll in with like four you know trucks full of like all this shit and just like 
like build these massive sets but still like once that stuff is there it's like you can create these moments and you capture like the reality of the person and all that kind of stuff that that's just so raw and like you've set the stage for them to interact within but it even though the stage has been set like the moment is raw and that's what i love so much about his work at least that's my interpretation of it um uh and actually like it it that when i saw that the other morning i was like Cause like I, I actually worked with him once and like he, he lived up to it. You know, like everybody said he was always the happiest guy on set and always like lifted everybody's moods. And like, he was just, just the nicest dude. And I don't know. So it kind of sucked to hear that, you know, even at what, 75, mm -hmm. like that's still a little bit young, you know, mm -hmm. cause he seemed like he was still very active. He's still always shooting. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, from what I know, <laughs> well, you just mentioned, like, from you 10 kinda, years yeah. ago, and you kind of went your story of how you broke into the industry. But how about now? How would someone <laughs> break into the industry now? And good luck. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's it's tough because, like, the budgets are gone for the most part. It Like, the barrier to entry is so cheap. Um, and the re requirement for talent is so minimal um, that it that it kind of sucks, you know, it's like, I don't know. I hate, I hate to be like all technical and like, you know, like, Oh, back in the days when I was a kid, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like we used to have to walk backwards, rolling Pentax six sevens one handed, which we did. Um, uh, like, but I mean, it's like, you know, the, I don't know. It's like, and I mean, I even catch myself doing this now. Like I was out shooting film the other day on my RZ and like, and I was like, I'm going to have my 5D and I'm not even going to use my light meter, you know? And it's like, I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's easy. But, but the flip side of that is creativity is creativity. And if people are going to create and they, that's the platform they choose, then let them, you know? And it just becomes very saturated because, you know, where technology is going with like cameras and stuff like that, that back to where we initially were saying like you have to keep making sure you're better than yourself and flipping your ideas on their heads and like trying to trying to level up a little bit if and and persistence in that creativity and the building of that vibe and your aesthetic like that's how you're gonna break it if you have what people are looking for whatever like from portraiture to high-end fashion to video to vfx or whatever like you're gonna make it if you put in the time and the effort and whatever it like it's nice to surround yourself with people that are in that world and then that in in need of that kind of thing you know because you're the person they're going to call um which i'm terrible about that i hate going out uh <laughs> but i mean it but it's like it's it is that it's like a you know it's a combination of like talent and networking and like being in the right place at the right time but also persistence and like if you're gonna make it you're gonna make it you're gonna fight for it though so yeah fight for it hard too <laughs> like it's not like an easy fight it's a no. really really no i'm, I'm still fighting it. <laughs> <laughs> i think everybody is yeah yeah yeah, you, yeah it's yeah. it doesn't yeah no, there's always somebody younger and faster yeah mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. who can walk backwards and <laughs> roll the, the deck six Seven? Yeah. Seven? Yeah. Pentax six seven backwards. 
You gotta, we gotta walk backwards with the sun to your back so you don't fog the film. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> we got like, we used to, when we were with Mark and we'd go out and we'd do like running gun street shoots and you know, uh, like I have this like Temba bag over my, over my, you know, front with like five or six bodies in it and like half for color, half for black and white and like, you know, got those handles on them and like, like film change, like camera would come in and like, Patrick would like pull the lens off and I'd hold the uh, body up and he'd slam the lens into it and then just like take it back and hand me the other body and pop it and you flip it and you like tech the film and like load a new one and like put it back in and get ready to switch out again. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's a machine, you know? Mm-hmm. Because that's what film is. You like when you're rocking like four by five or, you know, any of that kind of stuff, you're just like, it's like nonstop. So, yeah. <laughs> so the next thing we want to talk about here is motion. Motion. We saw some of your work and blown away. Yeah. <laughs> Fans? Fans. Fans. All right, all right. You know. uh, what, uh, what's the price process like for building uh, like a story for motion? Like going from photo, do you combine them too? Mm. Is that, do you do both in the same shoot? I, yeah, I mean, yeah, all the time. Um, Definitely motion still all the time. I have a few clients that hire me and put me on both sides of that. Uh, I mean, creative process, I feel like it's more like a dictated around the project or whatever I'm like playing around and trying to do. Um, so I, I, I guess I can kind of like become a chameleon with that kind of thing because I've worked on so many different sides of things that it's easy for me to flip it and like, like if I need to be commercial, I can be commercial up here. If I need to be really weird, I can be really weird up here. So like a creative process just comes down to like visualizing the concept and where we want to go and say like, okay, let me take this and let me throw this over here and let me flip this and do that and like, and just see where it lands. And then, and then like, then we start to play with the visuals of it and see what happens. And then when you take that down in the edit and like, you have like music going or whatever you're you're cutting to going like that's where you really start to feel it out and then really create the vibe i guess mm-hmm. i i need the I, a lot of times i feel like i need the music to edit and that's one of the reasons why i started writing my own music uh is because like i didn't want to pay royalties to somebody else or have a yes. garbage track that i had to cut to it's like like the client doesn't want to pay this so use this shitty royalty free thing i was like okay i'll take that and then i'm going to listen to it and i'm going to go sit down and live and score my own thing and it's going to be better. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, like, um, so I don't know. I, I feel like all of that, I, I have a, a background loosely as a musician. I like, I came up playing drums and then like learned how to play bass a little bit. And we, it was like teenage punk rocker, like street punk band, like screaming and stuff. But like, so I understand music enough, especially with the, like being a drummer's background. But then, so I just take that and utilize what like what I've learned from that, and t- take that into into creating the visuals and like then how does the soundtrack fit to that, and like what sounds do I hear with this thing? And it's like it's like it's audiovisual kind of like they they play off each other. It's like a circular motion, in my opinion. Some people don't think that way. So like editors like. Edit for the edit and like the the beat of the of the scene or whatever and that that's not me I, like I I like a a drive to the beat or whatever that helps me motivate my movement or my my cut or my the swing of a camera or what, I don't know whatever mm-hmm. so I get it. does that does that answer I think I, I rambled think it does. a little bit I think no, it's no, it's no. It's <laughs> no. 
Yeah. <laughs> Definitely rambled a bit on that one. Well, I mean, that allows us to like touch on like a personal project that you worked on that we're big fans of. And that's the Girl Pusher <clears throat> song. Yeah, Girl Pusher. I think a lot of boys like me, though, whatever. Um, so Chris Kidd, who's a poet. Uh, he's a screenwriter now, too, I believe. Um, he's a really good friend of mine. Um, and he's like, man, I have this song. I want to do this thing. And I want to want it to be like we're in an interrogation room. And like I just want to be her. And you film me as her. And I, then I want to just lose it and um and I was like cool and we'd like been planning it and planning it and then all of a sudden like my agent the miraculous dude that he is convinced the client that I could like I could direct motion and do the stills for a, like a big Sephora campaign mm-hmm. um and so I brought in a stills or I brought in like my crew and then I brought in an entire motion team to like and then DP and like manage that so I could bounce because we were just like a gnarly day on that one too and it like so I had all this stuff and we had just wrapped like a seventeen hour day on location with like a full company move at twelve hours and like beat. Um and I was like, I spent all this money on this camera package. And I was like, Chris, I'm tired, but come over. Like, I know we wanted to do it this way, but let's just do something. Just come over. And like so we went back and I like rebuilt the camera kit, like lit it. And my director buddy, who was like kind of like co-directing with me on that commercial, came over, and we just like went to town, and like I just let Chris do his thing, and we just like shot a couple different ways, and you know, like wrapped around like two or three in the morning, and then I just sat down and like having no idea how to edit really, and like no real structure yet, and to like workflow, just started like well, let me speed ramp this, and like just keyframe the you know pops and whatevers. And just like started doing stuff and seeing what happened. And that video came out of that. And then like Daniel, the guy that was helping me with it, um, came in and helped me refine it and make it better. Cause he's like 10 times better any of that stuff than I'll ever be. Um, but, uh, and he helped me refine that down. And like, we ended up with that thing. And it like, as soon as I put it out, a creative director of mine, he's like, and you're directing now? I was like, sure. Uh, of course. He, he was like, he's like, I have this music video I need shot. I'm gonna like, I don't like the person I have on it. I'm gonna fire them and hire you. And I was like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then that got us our first like actual paid music video that we did together. And so, um, yeah. So I don't know. I've, I've kind of like broken off onto my own now more so than anything. Uh, but yeah, like we were just, I was collaborating with my buddy like a lot, like building out these things early on so yeah <laughs> obviously it paid off ah uh, you know it's like one thing that leads to another mm-hmm. you know gotta keep making weird stuff <laughs> <laughs> and then get hired to make boring stuff <laughs> yes because yes. that's where the money is <laughs> <laughs> like you can give me a boring commercial all day and i will light the shit out of it and make it look good and you will be happy and i will take that check <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then go make weird shit. Yep, goddamn right. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned for part two with Ben Cope, where he shares advice on how a new director can elevate their work, how he maintains being an artist, and also how he's able to balance being a dad with a very busy career. Thank you for listening to Photo Work. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe. And what else? Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell a friend.